Holy schmeckles! What a day! End of the week, Friday. I'm recording this. Uh, I think this will go up on Sunday, which will roll into an actual true blue podcast episode on Monday. Oh, man. This pot of day thing is kind of fun. It's harrowing. But anyway, uh, usually what I do on a Friday afternoon on the way home from the work is uh, I usually pop in my iPod. Yes, I still have one of those relics of a bygone age. Load it up to the boops of, uh, with music. Uh, I don't as often. I am streaming nowadays, but I still have tens of thousands of MP3s from all the discs I've bought over the years. All, all the times I've actually gone on to iTunes and actually paid for albums and got the MP3s, singles, albums, whatever. Got tons of music. I've probably got... And this is all music. I, I know some people during the day, during the 80s, downloaded crap ton of tunes. And not listen to any of them. I listen to what I have. I love music. I really do. So... I was like, oh, I'm going to record another one. I'm going to do it. Late coming home from work, so I'm probably going to get in trouble with with my beautiful wife. I worked too late today. That's okay. I'll make it up to her. But anyway, um, so I'm like, ah, maybe I'll record this episode. I will actually do uh, listen to some great tunage. And uh, the first song was just was the tail end of the last song I was listening to on my old old school iPod. And uh, the song that came up was G Love and the Special Sauce, a song called New Fine. What a great song. What a God damn it, G Love come to Winnipeg. God damn it. Anyway, uh, so what's going on? Well, um, Perfect albums. I think this is going to be more than one episode where I talk about this, but there are a, a few perfect albums out there that have been released where they're good from back to front, from front to back, that you can listen to. When you listen to an album that's an actual album, what I mean by an album that's an actual album is the album tells the story. I was kind of telling you a bit about. Uh, the Dome album actually tells a story. It's, def- it's, it's definitely a story. Uh, the sequence of songs is very critical. And in the day, albums were released that way. The album, as a whole, told a story. And uh, you had to listen to the whole album to actually fully get the story and understand it. And it took you from, you know... Took you from uh, you know point A and point B to point C to the end where you actually you know it tells the story from beginning to end and you get a resolution in the end. There's very, so a perfect album tends to follow that trend. So I was going to throw out a few perfect albums of mine. Not that I've done. I mean 
that I like. And uh, the ones that that really pop. And uh, when I listen to it, I kind of have to listen to the whole album beginning to end. So when one of these albums pops up on shuffle, I generally take the shuffle off and go listen to the album after. Because you can't listen to one song. You just can't. It just doesn't make sense to do that. So, anyway, pending the phone call from my wife here. Um, perfect albums. So the one that came up uh, when I was listening to tunes this week, which I kind of forgot about, it kind of fell off my radar. But radar. But when I heard the song, I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, so true." Cheryl Crow's second album, self-titled. I know it doesn't sound like it's in my ballpark, and it wasn't. It wasn't an album that I sought out. It was an album that was forced on me. I'm like, fine, I'll listen to it. Um, when I first listened to it, there was a couple of songs that I liked that stood out. But as I listened to the album as a whole, there's definitely uh, there's definitely a narrative going on, and uh, I can't listen to the album anymore without listening to everything. Um, but it ends on one of my favorite songs of all time, Just an Ordinary Morning, which if you, I I, I really challenge you, go out, check out a YouTube clip of Cheryl Crow performing Just an Ordinary Morning. There's a, there's probably a couple out there where she's actually performing it with Eric Clapton, actually, with her playing bass and uh, Eric playing lead. Um, just an amazing song and what a way to end an album usually when you're we have a strong that song you don't want to end the album with it from a marketing perspective but from an album perspective it is the perfect way to end an album and on this album she had released the first album and um, essentially it was a, a bunch of covers if you want to call it that if we're following the definition of covers that came from the episode a few weeks ago or a couple episodes ago whatever anyway um, it was songs written for her to perform on the album on the first one, Saturday Night, uh, Saturday Night Club. I liked the album. In retrospect, I've gone back and listened to the album. Wow, this is actually really good because I love the Cheryl Crow self title album so much. Um, but when she, when this album came out, she changed her image. She wrote all the songs. She had something to prove, and she had a chip on her shoulder, and it really comes across, she busted her ass on her album, and yeah, there's there's a couple of songs that showed up on radio, and, and you might maybe dismiss, uh, if it makes you happy, was the, the single, um, but this album is just so good, like, I, I, I know, you know, uh, her poppier stuff you get, you see on the, uh, on the radio or see the videos up. That's not a representation of Cheryl Crow, not in the least. She's a fine musician, uh, an effective songwriter. Uh, full, and her songs are not just pop ditties. Her songs have layers to it. Uh, I recently listened to uh, listened to uh, she did a song with uh, Johnny Cash. The song Exploder uh, series uh, stripped one of her songs down and she explained about the writing process. I was like, God damn it. 
Red Redemption Day was the name of the song that she did with Johnny. Johnny Cash covered the song, and then she redid it again as a duet with him. What a... She's amazing. As a songwriter, she's a great musician. But as a songwriter, she is so there. She's so good. Like, so I really challenge you to give uh, her second album a listen. It is just phenomenal. You may not be a fan. Give that album a listen to. It works front to back. No filler. Even even the radio singles are actually quite good. Um, perfect album. I'd give it a I'd give it a two thumbs up for sure. Uh, another perfect album, and this just came up because Chris Jericho was talking about it on his show celebrating the 30th anniversary of uh, the debut album of Skid Row, and he called that one a perfect album. I would not go so far to call it a perfect album. I like Skid Row, and the reason I like Skid Row is they may have been packaged. Um, as a pretty boy band because of Sebastian Bach um, and, you know, kind of lumped in with, you know, the, the, the Bon Jovi's of the time, but they are so much better than Bon Jovi. Um, I, I don't know any band that could put out three albums like they did with that lineup and kill. The first album, you know, sold a gazillion copies. It was really good. The second one, they took chances and they just went hardcore heavy uh, they really expanded their songwriting on the second one. It's Slave to the Grind, man, as an album. Not one weak song. Every freaking song is amazing. Um, I mean, I can't even tell you what my favorite song is on that album. It is so close to perfection. I think it actually is perfect. Um, like, the weak songs on that album are, like some people's favorite songs like Monkey Business for me is probably the weakest song on the album the opening track they get a single for it is it a weak song not by any stretch of the imagination but when you line it up against everything else on that album which is just pure gold like if you're if all you're thinking about is I remember you when 18 in life you are seriously depriving yourself the quote-unquote ballads of the second album murder the ballads off the first one. If you're a ballad person, the the depth and emo- the depth of emotion, the depth of character, the songwriting on the ballads. There's three of them on the second one. They just murder anything off the first one. They just totally do. So good. Never mind the heavy stuff on there. It's just great. And uh, the standout star on the second album, in my opinion. I mean, you know, everybody talks about, you know, the Sebastian's vocals and the guitar work, but Rob Afuso, going from the first album to this album, talk about the guy who tried the hardest. Uh, he gets the MVP award for me. He stepped it up. He was doing rock drums on the first album, and he pushed himself. And his drums are so good on the second one. I'm a big Rob Afuso uh, fan. He just nailed it on Slave to the Grind. Wow. Amazing. Just absolute amazing. Other perfect albums. Okay, so we've gone from Sheryl Crow to Skid Row. What am I going to pull out of my hat next? Extreme Pornography. Changed my life. 
Voices by Tracy will totally agree. I forced that album on her. That album is sheer perfection as a concept album. Uh, as an album, you need to listen to the whole thing. Again, for most people, the one song on that album, which is their favorite song, which might be the only song they like, which is actually their weakest song on the album, uh, is more than words. Hey, it's a great ballad. It's a great thing. It's a good thing. And it sold, you know, it was the big seller. It's what, you know, shipped that album. But that album is a pure mixture of funk, rock, uh, parody, not parody, parody is not the right word, satire, uh, satire uh, of what was going on in the U.S. at the time. Uh, just brilliant. Like, the, the breakdowns of these songs, how they're laid out, how they're put together. I, I know a lot of you lump them in because you see Gary Sharon is kind of dancing around. But man, like, listen to the arrangements on that song. Brute, new to you know Betancourt, just a genius. But then I, I was re-listening to it this week, and I was listening to the, the rhythm section. That drummer, who the frick is this guy? He plays on a very simple kit, but he is so freaking rock solid. It's 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 insane. He's so rock solid. And, the, I, you know, everyone's always, it's always you know Gary, you know Gary. No, no, no. Don't dismiss that rhythm section. Uh, those guys are freaking amazing. Uh, Pat Badger and Jesus, I can't remember the other guy's name. But just, I was like, this is so good. Uh, give it a spin. Don't discount it for the singles. The singles are possibly, they're the most radio-friendly, possibly the weakest songs of the album, if you want to call it that. But they're great songs, and that is a perfect album. Extreme, Portal Graffiti. Uh, next one. Uh, you know, I was I was gonna include this one, but now I think we're gonna take it back. I was gonna say Sophie from the Bullet Boys. Great, great album. However, however, there's one weak song, and the weak song on that album is the cover. Yes, that's right. The cover. Not a bad song, per se. But, um... It, it's just it's just not needed. The rest of the album... All the songs are so well-written. Um, the cover on that album is not that great. Sophie's really hard to get of. Get. I think you can buy it through the website only. Uh, I managed to... I bought a copy through the website ages ago. It is, it is easily the best album that Bullet Boys have ever put out. It is so good it, it their their debut album which was you know their big breakers get for the love of money on there and smooth up in ya. um it kills that album just kills that album it is so good hey i love that first bullet boys album i love all the albums with the original lineup i think they're great but uh bullet boys sophie just kills so many good songs uh, walls amazing amazing is one of the best songs that has ever been written in the history of man um, uh, stoned, uh, uh, stoned, uh, stones daily. I think it's called. Yeah, it's just such a perfect album. Go check it out. There's a few for you to non. See on the flip side. 